0: We are continuing in our look at the Gospel of Luke. And the reading is from the second chapter, verses 25 through 33. And so I invite you to hear these words. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. In peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let us pray. God, we come to you on this glorious evening. Having sung songs that proclaim the good news that you came to this earth as Emmanuel, God, with us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would continue to be with us now. And that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Every other year, my wife, Megan, and I, we rotate whose family we spend Christmas with. The last year, we were with her family, which means that this year, we get to be with my family which means we get to celebrate Christmas the right way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's fine the way they do things in her family, but it's not quite right. I mean, when you're growing up, however you celebrate a particular tradition, it always feels like that's the right way. And if anyone does it differently, you wonder, well, why in the world would you do it like that? It's not just Christmas traditions, of course, it's traditions of all sorts. I, uh, I love the traditions that we have, uh, by and large, but I have to admit that most of us probably, as we get older, we, we perhaps look back at some of our own family traditions even and wonder, well, that's kind of strange that we do that. I was born just outside of New Orleans, and uh, I was born during the Lenten season, which means that it was... Mardi Gras season. In fact, that whole day, it was a Saturday, I was born at 1149 Saturday night. So that whole day, my mother had been at parades all day long, and she had come home just briefly to get ready for a big one. I believe it was in Dimion, if you know anything about Mardi Gras, and that was when her water broke. And as a quick aside, whenever she tells this story, there's still a slight bit of anger, I think, that she actually missed that. But it's a great tradition, and so oftentimes we would go back, even after we left New Orleans, we'd go back at Mardi Gras season just to celebrate. And One of the great traditions around Mardi Gras that you're probably familiar with is the, the practice of eating the king cake. Does everyone know what a king cake is? There's a picture right there if you don't know what it is. Doesn't that look delicious? It's good and good for you. So, so it's wonderful, but now within this king cake, there is a little plastic baby. There it is right there. It's not, uh, that size is a bit larger than actual. So, and this is to depict the baby Jesus. King cake is actually named after the, we three kings of Orient are. And so, and so it's the little baby and, and, and it's in there. And if you happen to get the the piece uh, that, that has the baby inside of it, uh, then you are supposed to have good luck for the year, uh, these are kind of awkward pictures of Jesus. Um, I wanted you to see that. Now let's get that off before uh, people focus too much. There we go. Cut. This is why I tell you, sometimes you start looking back and you say, well, this is a little bit odd, right? But now that I have children, I think, well, it's even more odd. I mean, think about this. You have kids who are desperate to get the little baby. And so they are eating as quickly as they can to find a little plastic baby toy. I mean, what could go wrong, right? Why not just throw the kids into the car with no seatbelt, give them a piece of king cake and see what happens, right? It's kind of odd. And yet all that said, when you're a kid, you don't care. You are just throwing it down because you're desperate, right? And I can remember there was only two or three times that I ever got the baby, right? And so when you get the baby, right, you're like, you know, and you get it, right? And you say, ha-ha, and you are excited. I mean, it is an exhilarating feeling to know that you have found baby Jesus. And I bring that up tonight because in some ways it seems to me that Simeon, that his life has been like a giant king cake. His whole life, he has been waiting to find the Messiah. He had been told by the Spirit of God that before he died, that he would find baby Jesus. That he would actually be able to see the Messiah. And so every night as he goes to bed, he says, well, it wasn't tonight. I didn't get my piece of cake tonight. I didn't find the baby tonight but maybe tomorrow. And so he would wake up the next day with hope and trusting the Spirit of God that perhaps today I will find the Messiah again and again and again, day after day after day, peace after peace after peace. And So then, it is of little surprise that when on that particular day the Spirit tells him to go to the temple and he does so, That when he sees that child and he knows that it is the Son of God, that of course he grabs that child. Of course he takes the child in his arms, as Luke tells us. Of course he begins to sing the praise of salvation, that the light to the world has finally come. It is a beautiful picture, as someone has said, of an old man about to die and his enduring hope holding a beautiful young child. Child, And I have to admit, it is an absolutely beautiful image. And seven years ago, if I would have preached on this particular text, that's exactly where I would have gone with this. I would have talked about the importance, because it is important, of having enduring hope. The importance in the midst of darkness of not giving up, the importance of continuing to believe each and every day in the light of Christ, and that even if the darkness seems to prevail, to continue to believe in the light of hope. But seven years ago, I didn't have any children. And now I have four children, and one of them who is still a baby. And if I can be so honest with you, when I read this particular passage, the first thing that came to my mind was not what great enduring hope. The first thing that came to my mind was, what are Mary and Joseph thinking when this strange old man takes their child from him? I mean, if you were those parents, those of you who are parents, and you have a firstborn child, And all of a sudden, this man whom you do not know, no matter what they're saying, the question is, who is he and why is he holding my baby? You guys are nervous, but I'm telling you, that's what you're thinking. The second question might be, he's incredibly old. What if he drops my child? And the reason why I know this is because I'm a pastor. And one of the things, it's a bit like presidential candidates in some way. One of the things is that people, sometimes, oftentimes, people you do not know will have your child and your young child. And there are oftentimes when a person who you don't know who has your child, you smile on the outside. You think, oh, that's great. But the whole time you are panicking and you are thinking at any moment, if that child, you are sitting there like this, you're smiling, but at any moment you are going to do whatever you can to make sure that your child is okay. And it made me begin to think, this must be a continual life lesson for the parents of Jesus. Who, like any parent, would love to protect, would love to hide him from anything that could harm him. And yet their continual life from the time he was born, They had to begin to learn that Jesus had not come to be safe or to be protected. But in fact had come in order to be a light in the dark world. And this had to happen from the very beginning, from the very first or second night, when the shepherds, the outcasts, the stinky shepherds who they did not know, the strangers who happened to just come in to where they were in this kind of private, intimate moment... To see this child. To several weeks later when the strange old man Simeon decides to take this child as his own and to hold him. To just a a couple of years later when three men, we call them wise men, who came from the east, these foreigners who came in to offer gifts to your child. To some 10 years later, when this child of yours all of a sudden gets lost, is in a temple, and you have no idea. They don't find him for a day or two. To two decades later, when all of a sudden there he is being surrounded by Pharisees and Romans who are starting to get nervous and anxious. Their whole life, what they had to begin to understand more and more deeply was that Jesus came to this earth not for himself but for the world. That actually Jesus was there for those very outcasts, for those very shepherds to show them that they were a part of the story of God. That Jesus was actually born to this world not to keep himself safe, but in order to give hope to older people who were wondering where is the light of God. That he was actually there in order to welcome the foreigner who they did not know from the east. That he was actually there in order to help the hurting, the lonely, the sick, and the unloved. His whole life, his whole life, he was there in order to be the light in a dark world. And if you want to be a light in a dark world, you cannot do it from a safe distance. You see, the story of Christmas, it's not really just a story about a baby being born in a manger. It's the story of the reality of God saying, I will not allow my creation to live without hope. You see, the the, the reason we remember Jesus, the reason he's had such an impact on this world and in so many of our lives is not because he was cute and cuddly, but it's because he was unsafe, because he was reckless with his own life for others. The reason why we come here on this night and we sing songs is not so that we can simply remember what life was like when we were children and would sing these songs. They are songs of rebellion that say no matter what the world around us says, God is still in control. And when you leave this place on this evening, you depart not just so that you can go to sleep and then open up presents tomorrow. No, you depart because you have been given a call to reflect that light of Christ. That you have been given a call to go out, not to play it safe, not to hide, but in order to care for the outcast, in order to welcome the stranger who comes from afar in order to give grace and hope and love to those who are hurting and who are in pain. You see, the song here of Simeon is a song of enduring hope. And it's a song of great courage. It's a song that comes from an old man who has seen the difficulties of life and who yet continues to believe that there is hope. And it is a song of courage that says, no matter what may come our way, we will not stop singing. We will not stop believing. We will not stop hoping. It's a song that challenges us not to simply absorb the light of Christ, but to reflect it. So brothers and sisters in Christ, as we sing the songs of Christmas together, as we sing the song of Simeon, my hope and my prayer is that you will remember that Jesus came not in order to be safe, but for the sake of the world. May we continue to sing, going out, letting the whole world know that Jesus has been born in this world for them. May it be so. Amen and amen.